0: So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution
1: in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. And this episode is a little bit different. It's actually going to be a a series of episodes as we have the um, pleasure to watch something unfolding Um, as I work with a new client. And my client, uh, Helen, has very kindly agreed um, to do a sequence of podcast interviews, uh, one sort of before we started working, uh, one during, and one after, so that people get to see what it's like to become a client and what it's like to um, see this understanding Unfold in your life. So, um, a massive thank you for Helen to agreeing to do this. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, and I'd love you just to start off by telling everyone just a little bit about yourself and your background.
0: Thanks, Piers. Hello. Um, so, my work now is executive coaching and team coaching um, through two businesses. So, Wild Fig Solutions is my uh, executive coach business, and Aligning Teams I do in partnership with another coach um, for team coaching prior to that I was HR for a number of years about 15 years and prior to that I tried it at accountancy which didn't work um then I found people which was all good.
1: So it was accountancy into HR into organizational design and development and for the last four years you've been working for yourself uh, as an exec coach and now as a team coach as well as an exec coach uh so that's that's quite a uh, a lovely evolution. Um, <laughs> so, can you say a little bit about how come um, we decided to work together? What was it that, mm. you, that first got you interested in this line of work and the principles behind quality of mind?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, I guess my first introduction to you was through Gary Turner's podcast, A Value Through Vulnerability, where I heard you on a Saturday morning um, before everybody else was up, which was very lovely. Um, and it actually, your your podcast led me to tears um which I you know obviously we've talked about before this isn't new news to you but yeah it just it I felt this real sense of overwhelming relief and kind of a sense of happiness that um you were doing this work that this was a real thing because about um about a year before that I'd found a book on Buddhism I'd been really interested to read more about it having started yoga about six months before that um and so, yeah, when I heard you speaking, it, it, since i have read the book, I'd thought, gosh, there's something really in this way of looking at the world that Eastern mysticism has generally, but not quite sure how to make it real for clients or how to even really make it real for me. I've had, had moments. Um, so, yeah, so then I, I heard your podcast and it was um, it's like, wow, this is, this is it. Somebody's actually doing it. And I know that your work now, having spoken, isn't, it's not exactly like... Eastern mysticism, but there were lots of similarities and yeah, there there was enough that made me go, yeah, this is the, this is the kind of stuff that I've been looking for, I guess.
1: Great. And, and I'd love to ask you a little bit about if it's easy for you to articulate, what was it that you had initially got sight of in the, the book about Buddhism? And then again, in the podcast, can you explain a little bit about what that is and how it looks to you?
0: Yeah. So one of the um, one of the key things was about working from reality. So um, yeah, there was there's an example I'll share, which I, I kind of I had a mini enlightenment moment after not long after reading the book. Um, I'd been out on a walk in the morning, uh, and in fact, preparing for this podcast reminded me. God, yeah, I used to go for walks in the morning. That was really nice. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I'd been out on a walk and I was nearly back home and my heels started really hurting with a blister and I just rather than getting frustrated with it and, well I did start to get frustrated and cross with it and thought why is it hurting this is annoying I'm trying to enjoy a walk here um, and then I just I kind of went back to well hang on where's this blister come from what's what's led me to this point of having this blister And I tracked back through the day before where I was thinking, oh, yeah, I was with that client and I was doing that work and I was wearing those shoes. Oh, yeah, and it's those shoes that are really uncomfortable, but I loved that work with the client. It was really great. Um, And then very naturally, I just had this immediate sense of, I just want to take my shoes off and walk home barefoot. And so I did, and it just felt very like, yeah, I wasn't clouded by any frustration or anger. I was just like, yeah, I just want to take my shoes off. It just felt like the right thing to do, working with what was real and true and not being caught up in god that's so annoying I've got a blister um so that was kind of like but that was kind of like it's it was almost like a one-off I've had similar bits ish but that was a bit of a one-off moment of oh wow that's what it's like to work with what's true and real and not make stuff up about it um mm. so I can't even remember what your question was no Piers but yeah right. that was that was kind of. That, I guess that's the thing that I connected to. That's, that was the question, wasn't it? Yeah. When I heard your podcast, it was like, gosh, it sounds like this could help, help that be a thing even more of the time.
1: Right, a- absolutely. So, And I think a lot of people, whether they have um, can remember them as, as, as vividly as, as you did with your uh, blister and your shoe, have had moments where some things looked all-encompassing and very real and even overwhelming, and then it just drops and it feels different and you get a new level of freedom and resourcefulness. And and that might be in a home situation or at work where where a problem or a meeting or a client or a customer or whatever uh, looks away and it just changes. And most of the society, I think, puts that down to kind of luck or just like, oh, you know, maybe that just happened. And I think what you obviously spotted was, oh, maybe there's something actually underlying about how the mind works that allows that to happen. And maybe it isn't just luck and a one-off and, and I can, you know, understand more about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm assuming then when you heard the podcast, you saw me sort of talk about that and you thought, oh, maybe this is the way to get more of it. Is, is that mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: Great, great. Okay. So, and, and, and that is, you know, w- w- one part of the work that we do is, is help people unlock um, that freshness and, and new perspective and, and drop all that superfluous uh, thinking and that allows you to have a huge degree of resourcefulness. So, one of the things we were going to do on this uh, this little uh, podcast episode is to look at what it what it's like to before you started coaching and some of the thinking in your mind, and then how that might change. Um, because something that you said to me, which absolutely rang true, is that if you listen to your podcast, peers, you know, the Quality of Mind series, it, it might sound like, well, everyone's so keen on this. You know, are, are, are they just a bit biased? Have you paid them? Have you just picked the good ones? All that kind of stuff. But, you know, there might be other people thinking out there, well, that's too good to be true. Um, is, is no one skeptical about this? So what we're going to do is have an open, honest conversation about what is going in your mind.
2: Mm. Because
1: once we connected after... The podcast you listened to, and you had your insight. I suggested that we work together so that you have a deeper understanding of this, so that you can understand what's behind that freshness of thought that you had when you were walking um, mm. the other morning, and and it become a more consistent thing thing to rely on. So, c- can you share a little bit about what that's been like for you? What's been going through your mind as you've been thinking about doing this work uh, with me?
0: Yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, and a real dichotomy. So there's been, we've spoken obviously on a, on a call and shared messages back and forth. Um, I've spoken to one of your previous clients, Karen. Um, I've more recently spoken to Gary, who of course did your retreat in July. Um, but yeah, so after our initial call, after the podcast, I was listening to you and I was thinking, oh my God, yeah, this is it. This is brilliant. This is exactly what I need, what I'm looking for. Um, and then probably within a day or so, afterwards or maybe a little bit longer actually because i think the money was a bit of a trigger for me to go oh my goodness but is this ah, this is you know this is a big investment and is this the right thing for me to do and um yeah having having had it feel like really the right thing from the podcast and from our conversation it then i then started to think about it so yeah as i said to you before it's like that rational brain kicked in the the logical the ego brain the one that um that kind of rules our life most of the time and hides our subconscious or hides our intuition. It came back in and was like, are you sure about this? This sounds a bit too good to be true. Um, Is there any proof? So like I know when I do work with people on mindfulness, I will often say to them that folk in the East have done this for years, but us in the West, here you go. Here's now the fMRI evidence that mindfulness does make a difference to your brain chemistry because we just, it's just how we've been brought up around here that we need that, it, or we think we need that. Give me facts, give me data, give me something that's more tangible than this thing you're talking about, Piers, which sounds really vague. And um, and actually, is this going to be a complete waste of my time and money? Um, and then going, perhaps he's just going to tell me stuff I already know and this is going to be pointless. And yeah, so all that's been going around in my head. And then with snippets of, but it sounds really interesting, and it sounds like it's the right thing to do.
1: Uh, It's it's so interesting listening to you talk about that because when I'm um, first talking to clients about potentially working together, that's quite common. So it's not unusual. Um, And I think about it in in life, in anything. You know, we're going to buy anything, even even you know, Mm. go on a weekend away, or 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 go for a nice meal out, or go for a holiday, or buy a house or car. What, What we we have thinking about it. It's what we do. Now, you know, sometimes you will have that kind of thinking about what to have for lunch. Shall I have the you know, the prawn sandwich or the chicken sandwich? You know, it, it so, so we can do that as humans. Um and I guess as in my role, it's very interesting because at one level I need to respect and hear what you're saying because that's your that's what looks real for you. Um I also know it's not true for you because you, you see it in two different ways depending on the moment. <laughs> so it's almost like our coaching starts right at the beginning, <laughs> helping someone mm. get to understand their own clarity about what they actually want to do and not let this um, this thinking cloud what you've called your intuition. Mm. Um, so just in this, in this conversation, i.e. before we've Properly started working together. Although it sounds like you've already had some insights, <laughs> what would you say? Uh, and maybe even reference back to you know previous times when, as you were developing as a coach, what would you say um, that rational mind is? And you know, you, you talked about the sort of the rational mind and the sort of you know your intuition. How would you describe the difference between the two of them? And what do you think the role of them is? You know uh, now.
0: Um, yeah. So the, the thing that stands out for me, and it does go back to my coach training, was when I read uh, Tim Galway's book, um, The Inner Game of Tennis,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and where he, so his his uh, conceptual frame for the mind is self one and self two, and. So yeah, so I, I would see it like that where self one is the, oh, look, I'm so clever and I'm so intelligent and I know all this stuff. I have all this this knowledge that I've learned because I'm, yeah, I'm so capable and amazing. And then self two is this quiet one in the background who gets drowned out by self one. Um, and so what he teaches and what he talks about in his book is when he's teaching people to play tennis or coaching people to play tennis, it's about occupying self one with something so that self-two can be heard and can come through. Um, And he uses the approach of essentially programming self-two, so saying self-two works with images and sounds and those felt experiences. So he programs self-two with, listen to what it sounds like when you hit the ball really well, watch what it looks like when you hit the ball really well, Um, and then occupies self-one with, self-one is just in charge of looking at the ball and following it back and forth across the net, so that self-two can get through and take over basically and be in charge because self one thinks it's being really important following the ball back and forth across the net um so that that's kind of that was a when i first read that book that was a big shift for me around yeah those sort of two parts of our brain and how it works or mind i don't know which language to use Mm -hmm. but um yeah that's where i kind of see that separation between the intellect and the intuition piece
1: yeah. Yes. And what you're, I mean, actually, funny enough, that book was one of the first ones I ever had. Um, I was, I was a young tennis player about the age of 14. Oh, wow. I, okay. it, it, funny enough, got me into coaching. So <laughs> it's coincidence that you mentioned that. Um, <laughs> but, but what he's pointing to that there is this, and other people call it the chimp brain you know, that yeah, different yeah, yeah, of yeah. The brain, yeah. and we need to keep the chimp quiet or, or, or the, the different types of self quiet so that the other part can come through. And uh, the strategies for managing that. Um, and if you manage that well, then you'll get a better result. Now, what we're going to do is ask that same question, you know, later on in our coaching journey. And so to see whether you see it a little bit differently. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that compared to uh, the average person who hasn't really looked at the world of um, personal performance and personal professional development, even the idea that there's different selves is mm. possibly new news um, <laughs> because some of us haven't even inquired that much. So if, if you go back to prior to any of your interest in becoming a coach or something like that, mm. um, that you probably didn't even see that bit.
0: No, not at all. Um, no, absolutely not. And so in our, um, so my training, my coach training was with Barefoot Coaching, and as part of that, we work, worked a lot with. Um, examining thoughts and beliefs mm. that are driving how we feel and driving our actions. Um, and yeah, so within that work, I had quite a few light bulb moments of, um, oh, there was one which just gone out of my mind again. Um, oh, it was to do with my perfectionism. And I had this light bulb moment around, Oh, but Oh my God, if I'm perfect, then that means I never get to learn and I love learning. So that would be rubbish to be perfect. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, my, that coach training was a big part of lots of beginning of those realizations of, yeah, the way I think about things is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, um, so you started to it, spot that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, but because it's still an intellectual thing primarily for me, it is an intellectual thing. I still have those moments where I get triggered by stuff. So, yeah, my chimp gets triggered mm. and I feel frustrated, upset, angry, deflated, whatever. Um, because there's something threatening my ego. Um, mm. Or I believe there is.
1: I'd, I'd love to ask you, just saying you said that, do, do, what do you see, uh, you, you talk about limiting beliefs and, and, and things like that, what, what, what would you say that is? You know, from, from how you see it now, from how you see that idea now, how mm. would you describe that? What, what is a limiting belief?
0: Um, so I think about it and talk about it in terms of um, through our lives we layer up with stories so we layer up as through as through childhood teenage etc ongoing we layer up all these stories of our life about what's okay what's not okay what we should do what we shouldn't do um what we get rewarded for what we don't get rewarded for um what brings us connection with others what doesn't and some of those things that we collect Along the way, are completely untrue. Um, particularly because most of them we gather in childhood. Um, so what I've been taught, and I, I talk about with others, is that we tend to set our our view of ourselves around age eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why when you're older, you still think you're eighteen. <laughs> so at 35, you're still like, oh no, I'm still like the 18 year old I was back then, because that's when your self image sets. So A lot of the stories that we carry into adulthood. Are the ones that have been set in childhood when we're very black and white we can't see nuance we can't see shades of gray so yeah we we we, we just carry that with us and i talk about we, we never upgrade our so using steve peter's stuff chimp paradox we never upgrade our computer our computer's still full of these beliefs um that we that we gathered primarily as we were kids not only but primarily they're, they're the more deeper rooted ones um And that yeah, so the limiting beliefs are basically us seeing those rules of life and thinking that if we're not following them then there's something wrong, or if somebody else isn't following them, there's something wrong. And that triggers the chimney.
1: Okay. So let me ask you that question about a couple of other things. So what would you see as the role or importance of something like goal setting now?
0: I find goals tricky. I'm not a massive fan of them. Um, I like there to be a concept of intentions or Mm -hmm. um, a belief of where you're going. So in fact, so my mantra for this year has been follow the breadcrumbs. Um, I had some coaching through like last year um, and it was around Christmas time where I had this recognition that I was putting loads of pressure on myself to do certain things or be with certain people or do certain work. I'm just going, actually, I'm trying to make stuff happen. I'm trying to push stuff um, that isn't helpful for me and therefore not for my family. Either. Um, so I'd made a choice for this year that I know where I'm going. That's my thing. I know where I'm going and I'm following the breadcrumbs, so I know the sort of difference I want to make in the world. And instead of pushing stuff and trying to make stuff happen, I'm just following what comes up. So, for example, your podcast with Gary was a lovely breadcrumb Mm. in that journey I've been on this year and last year. Um, Yeah, stopping making things happen. So that's where I kind of, I I think we put too much on goals, which things just change so much all the time you can set a goal one day and the next day it can be completely pointless, but you could still like try chasing this goal, which has now become pointless, but you think you should because you've told your manager, if you've told your coach or you've told whoever that this is now my goal in life. And But what if it's changed? What if, mm. yeah,
1: it just, yeah. Is,
0: that's, it's too transactional for me.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, let me ask you another question on the, on the same kind of like, how do you see it? And then we're going to see how this changes. What about, um, you see the role of um, mental strategies, tools, techniques. What do you see about those?
0: So you'd give, what sort of thing do you mean by mental strategy?
1: Well, um, some people will have, uh, ways that they go about getting into the best version of themselves, uh, Mm. managing their stress. It it, it might be yoga or green tea. Mm. It might be, well, I always do a to-do list there and, or, you know, it might be, well, I, I I make sure I I calm the chimp by doing that. Um, that, that, that kind of thing. Mm.
0: Yeah. So I, um, So I work with people, I I talk about us being icebergs with thoughts, feelings, actions, results, actions and results being above the surface. The thoughts are what's stored in our computer brain, Mm -hmm. like Steve Peters' work. And so I talk to people about the key places where we can change our results is at the thoughts level and the behavior or action level. Mm. So we we can examine our thoughts, look at those limiting beliefs, are they true test them out what's the evidence against them what could actually be true instead that kind of work um and then the the actions level it might be things like um you know faking it till you make it essentially you know giving stuff a go to get some different results to then feed different thoughts at the bottom or for people with emotion emotion stuff it might be if there's a like people um Building frustration, it might be rather than letting it build each time you notice it, express it, or do something physical to process that emotion, or go for a walk, or yeah, sort of manage the um, manage the feeling by doing something at the actions level.
1: Right, absolutely. So it looked like to you, there's some different places of influence that you can have, yeah, um, and there's some things you can do to manage it um, that might help. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's really interesting because we'll see how you think about that um, a couple of months in. Um, <laughs> that's, that's great. So what about, if I was to say to you, um, and it's a broad word, but um, well-being. So people's well-being, uh, peace of mind, contentment. W- what do you think is the, uh, how do you think that works?
2: Um. So it comes from thoughts.
0: So mm-hmm. all, all those thoughts we have are what lead to us either feeling well or not. Um, because, yeah, if we believe something is difficult or frustrating or upsetting or hurtful, it's, we be, it's because of what we're thinking at the bottom of that. So it's not necessarily that that's what that situation is. It's how we're seeing it. So, I, yeah, I heard you say... I think it was on. Yeah, it wasn't Gary's podcast about. Um, m- yeah, mental health isn't a thing. It's it's a it's a created concept because fundamentally it all comes from our thoughts, um, and so if you don't believe your thoughts, then there's nothing to make you mentally unwell. Mm. And so, well-being for me, a lot a lot of the well-being piece is around um, mental health, but also something I've noticed. Um, so, my coaching I had last year was doing some deep rooted work in stuff from my childhood and led me to make quite a shift in terms of my sense of okayness. Um, so that I yeah. So so if I go back to when you work with people on the thoughts at the bottom of the iceberg, very often at the bottom of that is a belief that I'm not I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Most people I work with sit with that. Mm -hmm. at the very base and I had that and so my work with my coach last year was very much getting to that and just let's just test out that theory let's look at what was going on in in those childhood moments and what led you to believe that you weren't okay Mm. you weren't good enough um so I had quite a shift in my sense of okayness last year and since that I've noticed and well combination of that and I've started meditation practice in February this year um both of those things have led me to let go of lots of stuff, which I would have otherwise um, been doing that weren't necessarily good for my well-being. So that kind of um, the relationship we have in the West with alcohol, for example, of it being, Oh, it's Friday. God, I need a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. I've never massively been that kind of person, but especially since having kids, they kind of threw that out the window a bit. Mm. Um, But I noticed a quite a shift in that after all that work i've done, so yeah, the coaching last year and my meditation practice have both kind of led me to go but i don't i don't need that i'm okay like i don't need to have a drink i don't need to have a cake to feel better i don't need to have mm. um, yeah, i can't think of another example, but that kind of stuff which generally when people don't feel okay, they try and mask their their not okayness with alcohol food shopping um drugs even and we had this conversation even yoga if yoga's a thing that you do because you think you need it and your life's going to fall over if you don't have it then that's still an addiction that's still a masking of your not okayness yeah. rather than it being an I choose to go to yoga because it's good for me physically um yeah. so yeah so, so there's a thing for me and, and that's another part of this my interest in this work of getting to that greater sense of I'm okay so that you can let go of your attachment to any of that stuff, which actually doesn't fundamentally serve you or help you have any kind of well-being.
1: And, and it's it's interesting because actually, in what you just said, you you almost also slightly answered the question before about the mental strategies, about practices, meditation, and yoga, and things like that. But also, what I heard you say uh, earlier on in that piece was around uh, you know, like the iceberg, and, and there'd be um, childhood sort of roots that we have. And I know you you were saying earlier that your business, you know. Uh, wild fig trees is, is based on the fact that they have the deepest roots of any tree. So there's obviously something that you see around how things can get rooted, and how we need to. I think you said examine that about whether that's true or not. Yeah. Um, so again, that will be something that uh, my guess is that you'll see a little bit different once we've, we've done some work together. Um, and also, what's what's really fascinating listening to is you to you is because. I, you obviously made some shifts in the last kind of year or so. Um, And if I was asking you the questions 18 months, two years ago, Mm. it may have even got different answers to now. Mm. And I think what we're going to discover, but let's, let's, we'll wait and see is that the reason why you think some of these things have changed, isn't quite the reason why you think some of them have changed. Um, Now the value in that, or will you be having a more, more clarity in your grounding as to how the human experience works um, as opposed to just knowing it can change, Mm, which is obviously you've experienced that because you've experienced that yourself and you've experienced that with your clients. But Mm. what I think this understanding of the principles behind quality of mind will give you is more clarity as to actually what that is and shortcut some of what, you know, the you've been through. I mean, I know for me, I've been in, in the space for 18 years of, of personal professional development, um, and 10 years of that in, in NLP and positive psychology and all the things, a lot of things you've been talking about. Um, and it hasn't been until the last few years that I realized how a lot of that is redundant now. And mm. I, I wish I'd known it, but that's, that's something <laughs> that hopefully through this podcast will be get, able to get people to, um, sort of see, uh, unfold. Mm. Um, so that will be a fascinating thing. Um, is there anything else that you um, have a sense might change as a result of this? You know, is there anything from your end that you think? Well, I wonder whether I'm going to see that differently as a result of this.
0: Um, I think the key thing for me is relationships.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So
0: mm-hmm. the the thing that. Yeah the thing that i'm mostly triggered by in my life currently is relationships not all
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> thankfully mm-hmm. yeah um,
0: and i guess that's what i see in business as well that work business is all about people it's all about relationships it's all about well given yeah the teamwork i'm doing now it's all about how a team can work effectively together and that what we experience right now is that actually people find that really hard mm-hmm. Pe- teams find it really hard um so that, that's really the key thing that I think I would like to see shift and that I'd like to be able to shift for others um, because it's, yeah, it's the fundamental core of everything that makes the world go round.
1: Absolutely. And what, I mean, if, if there's a, a reasonably succinct answer you can give to this, what do you think relationships are based on then, whether they're, they're fantastically great and harmonious and empathetic or, or, or whether they're dysfunctional? What, what would you say they're based on?
0: I've got two things in my head and I'm not sure if this is the right <laughs> me being perfect student not sure if it's the right answer go
1: for You're go um, <laughs> free to get it totally wrong <laughs> there, was
0: a, there was a thing they're coming up about trust yeah so but that's for a relationship to be effective there needs to be trust mm-hmm. um, and acceptance of people I guess you, you see that stuff around um, yeah great relationships you, you, things that come up on Facebook you know if, you, if your partnership or your marriage is great then you love each other for all the rubbish stuff as well as all the stuff you're grateful um, so yeah it's that sense of acceptance non-judgment um, and therefore the opposite of that being true for
1: where it doesn't work so it's about getting people to have that uh, trust and acceptance and, and how would you go about that at the moment? How, what do you think that is based on how do you get more of that
0: um, so a lot of it's around understanding each other and, mm-hmm. and that but that comes back to those mental models I was talking about those beliefs those stories Understanding each other's frames of reference, understanding each other's perceptions of the world, and why why do you see that so differently to how I see this thing? You know, it's mm-hmm. the same thing we're looking at. Um, yeah, but your experience is different because, or how you're seeing it is different because of what you've brought with you from your since being born, and what I'm bringing since I was born. Therefore, we're seeing the situation from different perspectives. Um, so yeah, under currently, yeah, my work is I help people understand the other understand what's that what's that mental model they're using that's different from yours
1: yeah okay well that'll be an interesting one to see evolve as well um so that's great i mean i think there's some you know really interesting little topics we've touched on here around relationships and well-being and how we to manage our mind and goals and, and 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 limiting beliefs and things that and also your own noticing that you have a kind of logical rational brain that likes to sort of run the show sometimes and then you've got this other part of you that um, has a slightly more intuitive feel to things. So um, I think it'll be, there's some great things that we'll ask, we'll check in on again um, and see how you see them. And hopefully people will will be able to resonate and uh, relate to that. So um, is there anything else you want to say at the end of this sort of first um, uh, part of this this three-part series?
0: Just that it's been really interesting anyway to talk it through. (laughs) I kind of feel like we've begun our work together already now. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, it's been really interesting, useful. I'm massively curious now because of all the things where I can see the little light bulb going off for you around... Oh right. So she thinks that right now. Okay. Let's see how that changes.
1: Well, um, I, I must admit, it's been a bit funny for me because I I've almost wanted to dive into kind of uh <laughs> <laughs> coaching mode. I'm like, no, no, no reveal on this. We're doing the podcast If we start getting into that. um so we're we're teasing the audience and yourself. So
2: apologies.
1: <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, you've probably noticed that I've been going. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but thank you for for your honesty and openness in this, and I think it will be it will be fascinating. This sort of, almost like a fly on the wall a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. For people to see. Uh, not for every session we're going to have, of course, but um, to check in with us as we go through.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please reach out and leave us a review and a comment. If you
1: want more info, check out makingchangework.co.uk or Piers Thurston on LinkedIn.